week on The Scoop. If I was in New York, could you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? Ah, yes, I could. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember how long you were married, Frank. I was married for 25 years. I was just about to be 20. 20 okay, years. and I was four, 14, I think. Okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a big chunk of your life. And, you know, the, I never had lived on my own. I went from my dad's house to my husband's house. That's what happens when you get oh, well. married when you're 15. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> Child, right? oh you're Wait a second. I was 17, actually. Oh, I'm sorry, 17. 17. Oh, my goodness. My bad. Yeah, no, <laughs> way more mature. <laughs> since the day I got married, I've been emotionally stunted at 17. I stopped developing after to that point. This All is right. true. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beta. And this is The, the Scoop. Scoop. And on this week's episode, no, this, no, this week's, week's episode, episode is sponsored by the letter D, as in daddy and divorce. <laughs> okay, uh, we'd like to give you an update on the current state of California, because this is now the third week in a row that we have talked about what we have believe is the impending rapture. And every week when we think it is not going to get worse, worse in California, it gets worse in California. It literally gets worse. So let me, uh, let us set the stage for you. Uh, so what we experienced this past weekend over Labor Day was a searing heat wave. It was 105 degrees in my house. How hot was it at your house? I have a really good AC. So I, I mean, was, I do too. I'm saying outside it was 105. I have AC as well. Yeah, but people were calling me and I was like, brr. I was, <laughs> I was like, come over. Because what, was it like 110 in three months? It was, it was really hot. Hot yeah. yeah. So the hottest recorded temperature in um, in the United States ever occurred uh, this weekend uh, in Death Valley or Desert Palm Desert or some place where they grow meth and there's old retired white <laughs> they people. They grow meth um, or make meth. Uh, it was like 122 degrees. It was actually 120 degrees in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. And just and then it started kind of cooling off on Monday, yeah. and we were like, "Oh my gosh, okay, great." We had the you know August Complex fire, which is now the largest fire in California history. But I think we're moving forward. But we were wrong. We were wrong, and there are now more fires burning in California. And so what happened in the Bay Area this past Wednesday is it never got light outside. Yeah, no, it was apocalyptic. It was apocalyptic. So I woke up and the sky was orange, orange. Um, and dark. And I, I was disoriented at first um, because I was like, what's going on? But then she started wiping ash off and, her table. And then I started wiping ashes off of my deck table and off of my car. As more ashes were falling. As more ashes. I had to wake up my kids because they were dead asleep because it was dark. They had no idea what time it was. They were totally freaked out um, the entire day. I mean, this was all over media everywhere. Um, San Francisco, there's just like this orange... Yeah. darkness all over the it entire it was called end of times orange and yeah pantone the new pantone. year no the pantone color of the year is end of days end of days end, end of, of days. days orange end of days so as fade and i are talking to you right now the um air quality index right now it's outside it's is like 200 over 200 yeah. and when we look at our trusty iphone all it says is very, very unhealthy uh air quality and so uh on a serious note we'd like to let you guys know from all of the residents of the state of california and frankly from the entire West Coast, because there's horrible fires burning right now, also in Oregon and Washington State. Right. Yeah. Climate change is real, and this is horrible. Oh, and also we had an earthquake on Sunday. That's we true. We had an earthquake on Sunday. It was 105, and now no one can breathe. And you know what? What? I thought when the earthquake happened, I remember I was in bed, sitting in bed, and I felt that, you know, something shake. I thought it was just Muhammad going down the stairs. <laughs> But you're like, no, it was a 3.4 earthquake centered in San Leandro. Yeah. 
Um, so are we are sending so much love and gratitude for all of the firefighters that are, are working out there. And for all the families, um, all of the families, uh, so many people that have been evacuated. We really encourage you guys to, you know, support some of the, the efforts that are going on. And we'll link in the show notes um, some great causes that you can donate to. Um, but we're hoping like at our next podcast, can we like turn the corner for God's sake in California? Can we just turn the corner? Um, you know, we love this state that we live in so much and I love our communities. But like, I feel like we've just we've had it. We've had enough. And so we're saying like 2020, like you suck, you suck the most ever, um, ever. And we're ready to do, we're ready for something. We're ready for something yeah. else. And it, you know, it's always a good time to get good with Jesus. It is always a good always time. A good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. So we're really excited about today's show. Um, and we're really, oh my gosh, by the way, sidebar. Okay. We have over 1000 listens on our podcast, which is incredible. Um, for just four episodes. And those, I go up, I look at the data all the time. It goes up every day. And so we also just want to say thank you to everyone that has been listening to the podcast that has been for everybody that's been writing in. Oh my gosh. We've gotten the most amazing feedback. Like my favorite feedback I got last night was I should be having sex with my husband. Um, but he's in bed. So I decided to listen to the scoop instead. And I was like, I'll take second place to sex. Oh, I, will hell take yeah. I love second playing place second fiddle. Sex. No problem. Second, that's no problem. Um, but no, seriously, we really appreciate it. Um, we and so many people writing in. They want to be guests. They mm-hmm. want to know how to if they could see us live. How they can call in. Yes, we're gonna have to figure this out. We do have to figure. There's we... so much love out there. Thank you. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, we. And... Yeah, not at all. And again, if you want to send in hate mail, go ahead. Yeah, we're at thescoopladies at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at the Scoopcast and. Again, there's no Instagram at this point, but uh, whatever. She's going to be in charge of that. I'm probably going to be in charge of it. So we are really excited because we have a very special guest today. It's kind of like a a quasi-celebrity or or is like Frank an actual celebrity? No, actual celebrity. An actual, do we need to say like he's an autism celebrity or just like straight up? I think he's, wait, do you get hate mail? Ever? Um, if you're hate- yeah, yeah. not as much as the moms do, but I get hate mail. Then that means you're a celebrity. Yeah. Because yeah, as Fado would so. say, it means you're relevant. If you get hate <laughs> mail, that means you're relevant. This is what she tells me when I have like panic attacks um, <laughs> about people sending us like nasty things. So let me talk about why everyone should be super stoked to hear about Frank. I think a lot of parents um, that have kids on the autism spectrum, they already know you because obviously you have this huge Facebook following as Autism Daddy. And I think you have over 150,000 likes on your Facebook page. Yep. And my favorite part of your page, I went there and I was looking at it as I was doing research for this episode, is you were like, listen, I'm going to give you the realistic, non-sugar-coated look at the world, the good, the bad, the pee, and the poop. So I love that you just didn't stop at like the pee. You're like, but let's do both of the pee <laughs> and the poop. The pee and go the together. Poop. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. And when Fade is like, hey, we should have this guy on our podcast, as soon as I read that, I was like, Yes. Uh, So why is Frank so tremendous? So Frank is an Emmy winner. Um, This is the first time that I've ever, actually my neighbor across the street's a Grammy winner, but this is my first time talking in real life with someone that's won an Emmy. Um, His name is BZ Lewis and he does, he's won multiple Grammys. Why, for like being a producer or something? He does, he produces music and he has a production. We should get him on the podcast too, he's red. Um, So Frank has been, is an Emmy award-winning children's television leader with over 20 years of experience. Um, and you also obviously have a son that has been diagnosed with autism and he is 17, right? Yes, correct. Uh, and how much taller is he than you, Frank? Not yet. He's getting close. He's, uh, he's okay. definitely outweighs me, but he's not taller than me yet. Okay. 
Is he like Muhammad? Like almost how I don't know how tall you are. Like Muhammad's he's, like, he's, he's Italian. He's not that tall. Okay. No, I'm I'm five ten and my son is probably five seven, five eight, but okay. he's probably put on about thirty pounds during this pandemic. So that's uh yeah. Like I mean, like now haven't we, we haven't we all? Yeah, so. but now he outweighs me, which is quite scary. So you're doing the professional introduction now, then I get oh, to yeah, do no, my Oh yeah, no, let me do the professional introduction. Yeah, I always do the professional ones and then Fade is like, let me just give it to you straight. I pulled this, by the way, off of your LinkedIn bio um, because okay. I wanted to make sure that we gave you all the kudos that you deserve. Uh, so early in his career at Sesame, which, cause Frank works at Sesame Street, which is so freaking great. Um, Frank traveled the world as an associate producer and producer on Sesame Street um, with international co-productions in China, South Africa, Brazil, Japan, Hungary, Canada, and the UK. But when you found out your son had autism, you're like, hey, I need to kind of like stay around home more often, um, as is the case with many parents. And so you began working as an assistant vice president of format production, and later the AVP of special projects production, and you've worn many different production hats in these two roles. Uh, You started your Facebook page in 2011. What was the impetus for that, Frank? So basically, I could never find a place online that showed like a realistic depiction of what severe, you know, and I still use the term severe autism, you know, how it shows itself. There was a lot of moms and mostly moms writing blogs about, you know, uh, God wouldn't give you more than you can handle. And uh, God only gives special kids to special parents. And a lot of sunshine and rainbows looks at, you know, the world inside of an autism household. And I was not living that life. I was living a life of having at the time a eight-year-old still in pull-ups with baby gates all over the house and, and the, you know, cracks in the television set and just wanted to sort of show my reality and just put up, you know, a couple of pictures and didn't really pay any attention to it. And then about like six months later, there was like six followers and I just started, you know, putting things up every day a little bit and just like a snowball rolling down a hill, it just started to gather more followers and, you know, it became part of my everyday existence, sort of like, you know, thinking about whether or not people would find this interesting and the most mundane things people would find interesting. I would put, you know, a video up of uh, me microwaving popcorn at three in the morning and it would get like a thousand likes. And I'm like, I don't know why, but that works. People like that. So, yeah, so that's how it started. And so then now, Fede, you can do your introduction and kind of connect the pieces. How do you guys know each other? Okay. First, though, I have a question. Okay. If I was in New York, could you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? Ah, yes, I could. Okay. They <laughs> actually they, they recently renamed the street that um, the offices are on Sesame Street officially. It was like took them fifty years to do it, but now West Sixty Third Street on Broadway is officially named Sesame Street. All right, that's so, awesome. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I watched Sesame Street when I was a kid. Everybody watched Sesame Street. I still like Sesame Street, and I am clearly not a kid. I love the old school <laughs> Sesame Street, so the one from the seventies. Uh, yeah, those are the best. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I met Frank like four years ago, I believe we were speaking mm-hmm. at a conference together. Um, him and I kind of, we opened for Temple Grandin and autism daddy was the big celebrity. It was my first time doing a speaking engagement that didn't have to do with insurance. <laughs> and so I remember watching his, uh, presentation. And one of the things he was talking about was like, have sex and often. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's totally true. He had a slide on that. And he's like, it's really important to have a good, solid marriage mm-hmm. and keep the marriage going and keep all that stuff happening. And um, sure enough, both of us get divorced soon I after. <laughs> <laughs> soon after. But anyways, we'll talk about that later. So yeah, mm-hmm. I met Frank at a conference 
And, you know, he was like really intriguing, really funny. And he was a dad mm -hmm. in this like sea of autism, crazy autism moms. Yeah. You're like, ain't no mom jeans on me, baby. I'm wearing That's my right. dad pants. pants. <laughs> dad pants. <laughs> um, you know, and ever since that day, you know, we had so much connection. Our kids are very similar um, and they're both bigger than us. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, Frank, thank you so much for letting me shame you, shaming you to be on this program. Oh, sure. No problem. And, and, <laughs> and let me just say that that was your first time speaking. I'll never forget that. Like I was, you know, supposedly an old pro at this and you were a new speaker and you just came out there and like blew everybody out of the water. I mean, like. Beta kills it when she's speaking. Kills it. Kills, kills it. it. Slides time perfectly and the clicker oh, yeah. in her hand and walking around the stage and just like almost like a stand-up comic where I'm stuck behind the podium, old school with the microphone in my notes. And she's just like walking around and yeah. Oh yeah. She is. Yeah. She is just like owning that stage. She knows how to make like the, you know, facial expressions. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's. I totally expect her to take that on the road and just become like, you know, the next, next temple. I thought she was going to literally. Oh, please. Yeah. Oh my God. We had dinner with Temple Grandin. I'll have the right. conference. How was it? Was she awesome? Okay. So let me tell she you. She definitely something. is on the spectrum. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, that's hundred okay. percent for sure. She is impaired. Yeah. Okay. But no, we had dinner and you know, because she works with like animal husbandry and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought she would be a vegetarian. Oh, she dug into that steak big ass right. and she was like, right. drinking wine. Wow. Okay. And I was with my friend and we drove together and she's like, we have to go. We have to go. I was like, no, no, wait, I want to see if she gets shit faced. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally, I was waiting for it, but she didn't. Yeah. She has her aides with her. She travels around with two people. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, Temple Grandin. I mean, and her mom. That woman, what you think she's like in her 90s? Temple right. Grandin's mother travels with her. No, she she skyped her in to some of her, her presentations, oh, okay, yeah. so she'll oh be gosh, like yeah, because her wow. mother was instrumental in you know her, yeah. helping her turn that corner. And she still skypes in and does some of the presentations with her mom, and mom answers questions from the audience. And if we yeah. could all be that like cogent, yeah, at 90, right? She really is very like articulate mm -hmm. and really knows what's going on at, at 90. Yeah. I'm, oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Okay. So right. let's talk. So we're going to talk with Frank about two different things today. And the first thing we want to talk about, and this is going to be, I think a little more serious potentially than some of the topics that Feta and I have talked about, but I honestly think it's really worth our time and, and we need to have a conversation. Um, and the thing that we want to talk about first is the shooting of a 13 year old um, with autism spectrum disorder by the Salt Lake City Police that happened last week. Um, and I'll just kind of- Which made national news. Like national it went news. to the BBC international news. And, and honestly, you know, I as soon as I saw this, I mean, my heart just broke because basically what happened is this mom, um, her name's Golda Barton, uh, called the police because her son was having, she deemed it a, a mental breakdown. And again, this is a 13 year old that has been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Um, you know, he suffers from separation anxiety. And, and it was her first day back at work. Mm -hmm. It was her first day back at work after being Oof. on for a, a, a year. Um, and she just, she, he was just having such a hard time and she just, she needed help from the police to help calm him down. Um, and so what ended up happening is then this is a child that did not have an unarmed 13 year old child. Um, and what ended up happening is that he fled from the police because he was so scared. They were going to 5150 him and take him to the hospital. That's why he ran away. He didn't want to go. And so what they did, um, is they shot him. 
um, because they said at the time of this article that was written by NPR that they said that they he had made some threats to folks with a weapon, even though there was no indication, again, that he had a weapon on him. And again, this is a 13-year-old kid. Uh, and so now they've had the families had launched a, a GoFundMe page. Uh, I just looked at the page before we started recording this. And at this point, they've raised about, I think, $86,000 for his medical expenses because he has multiple injuries as mm-hmm. a result of this. Can and- we link that GoFundMe? Yeah, we can link the GoFundMe yeah. to the show notes for That's this podcast, great. no problem, um, because we definitely want to support this family. But this also, you know, really brought up, um, honestly, another a larger issue that I still want to talk about. Yeah, and that's and, yeah. and I want to talk about this with with Frank, which is the idea um, that half of people killed by police have a disability. Um, Little known fact. Yeah, half of people killed by police uh, have a disability. And I just wanted to get the perspective from both of you guys, because I I was talking with one of um, my friends who is uh, just a a friend of mine who also has um, autism. And he was like, Sarah, he's like, the first thing I thought of when I read this article was like, that could have been me. And it could have been me. Um, And how scared um, Mm -hmm. this kid must have been. And potentially, we don't even know right now what are going to be the long-term effects of this experience both on his, you know, mental and physical health and, and for his family. Um, and why have we not been able to, A, provide more appropriate supports for families so the mother doesn't feel like her only call is to the police? And B, um, we need to do, I think, a much better job of training um, police officers. And this is obviously a much broader conversation than simply just working with people with autism in the context of, of George Floyd's murder. Um, how are we better equipping people that are first responders to not resort to violent tactics as the, you know, the first response? Um, and how do we educate them better? And I'm interested in, in what you guys both think about this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was just saying before that I'm I'm less connected to the, you know, to all the national stories. I did hear about this one, but back when I was blogging, you know, a lot, this there, there had to be at least three or four cases a year. Like I bet you this made this story made the national news, but I bet you if you Google it, there's three or four other stories that maybe, you know, didn't the, the kid wasn't as severely injured, but it happens three or four times a year that, you know, a kid with autism or or other special needs gets gets shot by the police or, you know, gets mistaken for a violent criminal. Um, and it's scary. And my son is 17 and he outweighs me and, um, you know, he's nonverbal. Um, so he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't obey the commands of the police. And the one thing that I used to say when these stories would come up is I'm one of those parents that's totally on board with the police knowing everything about my kid. I got stickers on the door saying, you know, um, with autism i got stickers on the car um i think when we first moved into this house we went to the police station and and gave them a little flyer about you know about our son so that's one thing where i know that sometimes there's you know controversy you know about whether or not you know you you want everybody to know about your your kid's disability i'm one that's like you move into a new neighborhood you go out of your way to make sure that everybody in that neighborhood knows you've got somebody special living in that house this way when the call goes out hopefully they have a file, you know, ready, already on your kid and they know what they're walking into. Um, but I mean, I did hear about the story and it sounded like the mom tried to do that in her call to the police and it still didn't, you know, didn't do enough. And that's exactly Um, what happened. And that's, I think why I'm even more pissed off. I'm pissed off because she called the police 
I, I watched this mom's interview and she told them, my son is having a mental breakdown. So they came in knowing that he was 13 year old, he had autism and he has a history of hospitalizations, right? And he was running away. They shot him six times. Oh, Jesus. Six times they sprayed him. One officer, he got shot in the intestines, the bladder, both his ankles, and like in the back twice. Mm, mm. This kid is going to suffer. Forget the emotional damage, the physical damage. I mean, he's literally peeing and pooping. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a hard time with that. Walking as right. if his life isn't hard enough, mm -hmm. you know? So I mm -hmm. think that that's what really got to me. And it struck home personally for me because I was in Santa Cruz one day smoking outside <laughs> in Santa Cruz, which is like, it's Santa Cruz. And a police officer stops me, wants to give me like a smoking in public ticket. Cause apparently you have to leave earth to have a cigarette these days. But anyways, <laughs> nasty habit. So Mohammed was with me when the police officers were there and he kept getting between me and the officer. Now Mohammed is 6'3", 280 pounds. Oh my. And the officer kept saying to him, back up, back up. Okay. And the mom, that's what she said too. She's like, when the, her son was kind of getting like arguing, he kept saying, back up, back up. Now I know the officers, police officers are just like regular people. They get scared. Okay. And they're put into these situations where they don't know what's going to happen, but clearly my son is disabled. I mean, he's standing there going right. and stomping around, you know, right. Right. and he didn't yell at him once. He yelled at him a few times. And then mm -hmm. that's when I got scared because mm -hmm. I knew this could go out of control really easily and there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that scares the shit out of me. Right. And you know, so that freaks me out that one day that could be my kid that I won't be able to control him because physically sometimes I can't. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I physically yeah. can't. So anyways, yeah, I mean, this is really heavy subject it's a hard subject to talk about um but you know let's talk about a harder subject too it's something that happens to a lot of us yes and we're gonna that's a nice segue and we're gonna talk about a uh, divorce yes because um, this episode is brought to you by the letter d d and d is <laughs> d is for daddy and and d is for, for divorce divorce and so Very just nice. so you know frank i'm like the science like you know, citation, like article nerd in this. So I have to always start with like nerdy shit and then fade is like rolls her eyes. And then we, you know, talk about stuff. Um, but I just, again, part of this is I really, we have a, a really interesting audience. So we have an audience of parents of children on the spectrum, but we also have a lot of uh, a large audience of practitioners um, that work with kids on the spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that this is an opportunity for us to educate both of these groups. And so this information is, is really for the, the practitioner group. Um, and I link this in our show notes. Uh, there is a very large body of research that says that few disabilities appear to be more taxing on parents than autism spectrum disorder. Um, and parents of children with ASD far worse on a variety of measures of well-being than parents of children without disabilities, as well as parents of children with other types of disabilities. Um, uh, several factors have been proposed to account for the poor well-being of parents of children with ASD, including one, the uncertainty surrounding the diagnosis and the long-term prognosis of their child, yes. the stressful nature of autistic symptoms and associated behavior problems, and, and I want everyone to hear this, the lack of public understanding and tolerance for the behavior of children with autism spectrum disorder. Um, and as a result, what, again, I think it surprises none of us 
is that parents of children with ASD have a higher rate of divorce um, than what you would find in families that do not have um, children with disabilities or even within other disabilities. And that is something that both of you guys um, have experienced. And so I'm hoping that you guys might be willing to, and again, I understand this is a really sensitive subject and I'm deeply appreciative for both of you for being willing to kind of chat, just really talk about how the, the impact um, that the disability had on um, your marriages and how you guys have kind of navigated your way through this and, and how you're being able to both be supporting your own children um, in the midst of something that is really hard because also full disclosure, I, I am divorced. Um, and I have a, a child with a disability, but not with autism. Um, and I will say that I felt like the stress of the special needs of my child put a lot of additional pressure on my marriage. And I, I love my kid and so does my kid's dad. And it's not, it's never about blaming the kid that has nothing to do with it. It's just about acknowledging the fact that this just makes life, which is already hard enough, harder, um, and I think, again, especially looking at the data that we have for people with children on the autism spectrum, we understand that, you know, this is just like the hardest. You know, when I was uh, yeah. texting you, Frank, and I told him like, hey, you know, I got divorced too. The first question that Frank asked me is how is Muhammad doing? It's really interesting that you said that because a lot of people just ask about how the parents are doing or how you're doing personally. And they don't think about maybe the effect that it has on the kids. If it was a typically developing kid, people would just be like, oh, you know, how is this? They would ask about the kids, right. but they just assume that there's no impact on our children because mm -hmm. they're pretty right. severe. And when he asked me, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, yeah, he did. He did regress. Mm. He knows something's wrong. He knows something's mm -hmm. different. You know, now, is he able to verbalize that? Is he able to, you know, understand it to the full extent, you know, that why his right. dad isn't there? Probably right. not. And you know what? I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that no, I feel is almost the silver lining. So, yeah. you know, the impact that it has on us and the impact it has on our kids. And I right. think that gets missed. So, you know, as much as you're willing to share, Frank. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's funny because I, I when I was blogging a lot, I, I had found articles debunking that that story about, you know, the fact that the autism community has more divorce. Like there was conflicting information and I was always looking, you know, just out of, because when I was blogging a lot, I would always be on, in touch with all the latest stories. And I had found conflicting information about that. But as far as my situation, I almost feel like, and I've written about this a little bit, that the the fact that my kid has autism maybe shielded the issues that were there. Like I think we were both extremely good at dealing in crisis situations. And so my son was diagnosed when he was two, and, you know, autism was our main focus for a long time. And then when he was about eight or nine, he, he, we added epilepsy into the mix and he has severe epilepsy as well. And so, you know, a huge part of our lives were just always in crisis mode and we were handling crisis mode like nobody's business. You know, was it a, was it a, a amazing, you know, happy time or a, no, it was, it was crisis mode, but we were, we had our roles and we knew what to do. And I did this and you do that. And then there was a point somewhere, you know, in the last couple of years where, you know, we had this down. We knew as, as crazy, it was, it sounds crazy, but we knew he was going to have one seizure a week and, and we knew how to deal with it. And as hard, as scary as that sounds to most people, that's, you know, we had it solved. He was going to have one seizure a week. We knew when it was going to come. We had him in a great school that he was going to be in for the next eight or nine years. There was no stress. And somewhere in that couple of years, 
you know, that's when things started to, to fall apart um, and didn't, you know, didn't see it coming. But, um, you know, I think it was that the, the, the crisis mode kept us connected. And then when things were a little more relaxed, it was sort of like, you know, she wanted to do her thing and I wanted to do my thing. And we were spending less time together and less time, you know, when we had free time, we were kind of, you know, I was going out and running marathons and she was out, you know, starting a band with her friends and we were kind of drifting apart. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, that's, it's probably different than other stories. A lot of times you hear autism is the reason for the divorce. Maybe this is a case where autism kept us together longer than, than it would have, you know? I agree. Actually, I do agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, once you get into that mode that Frank was talking about, I find that actually like that segregation of duties is very helpful when it comes mm -hmm. to these crisis situations. Everybody knows their role. And like you said, you're in triage mode all the time, right? Which is the first crisis. So it's not exactly about, are you fulfilled in this marriage? You know, that's mm -hmm. not the issue. The issue is my kid's having a seizure. Right. Yeah. Right. But, and I will also say something about the, the segregation of duties, but I, I think because my, for me, that was also something that happened in my family as well, because I'm the person that is a behavior analyst, because I'm the person that has, you know, over 20 years of experience in special education, when it became very obvious that there was something going on with my daughter, um, I was automatically the person I was like, you know, I was volunteered as tribute, right? Because my ex-husband was like, Sarah, I don't know anything about this. Like, can like help. Um, so I'm going to the appointments. Uh, I'm getting the diagnosis. I'm looking at the meds. I'm talking to the specialists. I'm navigating the IEPs. I'm advocating. Um, and so, you know, but because we had these like segregation of duties and, and silos, it also, I feel like made it easier for us to then just continue that in our personal life as well. Like mm -hmm. I do this, you do that. Um, and so then what happened over time is it's just like we, in fact, became siloed from each other mm -hmm. as a result. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I think, you know, I think all of us are saying the same thing. Like we love our kids. This isn't like, oh, like, you know, because we have these kids, that's why we're divorced. I think there were other uh, issues, but I think it just made it easier to go down that route because we were so used to kind of a, you know, functioning in crisis continually takes just a strain on everybody. But B, that, that idea of that, those segregation of duties and just kind of doing your own thing. And then it's easy for that to just kind of start bleeding into just living your own lives, lives. very separate lives. Right. Well, you, there's this um, saying, it's in uh, Spanish, but essentially it, it translates to habit is stronger than love mm, sometimes, mm. Mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. I, I don't remember how long you were married, Frank. I was married for 25 years. I was just about to be 20. 20 okay. And I was four, 14, I think. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a big chunk of your life. And you know, the, I never had lived on my own. I went from my dad's house to my husband's house. That's what happens when you oh, get well. married when you're 15. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> Child, right. How old are you, Tater? Wait a second. <laughs> I was 17. Actually. Oh, I'm sorry. 17. I was 17. Oh my goodness. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. No, <laughs> way more mature. <laughs> but since the day I got married, I've been emotionally stunted at 17. I stopped developing after that point. This All is right. true. This is true, <laughs> as you know. Um, mm -hmm. So what do you think it was, Frank, that changed in your marriage? Other than just like drifting apart, like did you actually change as who you are as people? Did you evolve because of the diagnosis and you began to see things differently? Or was it just like every other married couple in a sense where it kind of doesn't work out anymore for various Yeah, reasons? I mean, I think it's kind of like, it's not like, um, you know, the the 
one partner is doesn't see eye to eye with the other on how things are going. I mean, we were both, you know, in step as to, you know, which doctors to go to. And I would, you know, take off and go to appointments and school visits. His first day of um, in-person school is on Thursday and we're already working out, you know, she's probably going to drive and I'm going to pick him up because we both want to get the experience of what the school day is like. So we're still, you know, in step with that kind of stuff. I think it's really just, you know, the typical after 20 years, things just drifted apart. Um, did you have and, a midlife crisis? What's that? Did you have a midlife crisis? I wouldn't say I did. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to say anything else, but I wouldn't say I did. Um, no, I mean, I, you know, I think, and, you know, going back to my son, like I, what the best part of the, about the whole thing is that um, he handled it way better than I thought he would and mm. possibly better than a typical kid would. You know, like he just sort of rolled with the punches and, and, you know, he's nonverbal and I don't, you know, I kept on looking for signs of regression and re regression and didn't see any. And it was just a very natural, you know, you're going to be here half the week and you're going to be with mom half the week. And as long as somebody makes some popcorn, that's really, somebody, yeah. I mean, that's, that's really pretty much, important. yeah. I mean, he really, you know, handled it well. And has there been regressions? Yeah. But can I pin them to that? Like he's always got regressions. I could look back in my notes and see like, you know, he lost his potty training skills after he had the flu five years ago and he lost his potty training skills, you know, five months after we started living separately. Can I connect that to us living separately or can I connect that? There's no rhyme or reason. And there's, you know, and I'm, I'm the one that's always trying to figure out like patterns, you know, like, well, when I gave him the meds at this time, he didn't have a seat, you know, in every aspect of his life. So I was looking for patterns with that. I was looking for patterns of, you know, aggression or regression or depression or anything that would make me think that, you know, this was having an effect on him. And I think it actually, maybe he sensed that, you know, that things weren't going great with us, but I think he kind of gets the best of both worlds. You know, I think when he's with her, she's very, you know, good at, at taking him out and doing a lot of things outdoors with him. And like, I think they're going to Ocean Grove, New Jersey today to go to the beach and, you know, spending a, one last hurrah on the beach in the summer. And so she's got him very busy and, and regimented. And when it comes to my house, you know, I'm not to say that I'm lazy, but, you know, he's more chill and he'll, you know, he'll be on his iPad and, and um, I probably give him more junk food. So he likes to eat pepperoni and hot dogs and, you know, food like that. But I also, you know, have my, my mom and my sister over every Sunday and we've started that tradition. So he's seeing family. So I feel like he gets, you know, a little bit of, of, you know, her, her uh, structure and a little bit of my structure and kind of eased into both of them. Like I've never sensed, you know, oh, I got to go over there now. It's sort of like he gets out of the car and goes to mom's and, you know, just dealt with it. They're also creatures of habit, mm -hmm. you know, and I would say that, you know, that definitely is going to help with their rigidity. Right. <laughs> right. Definitely. Yeah. You know, you're really involved. And my experience is I don't see a lot of involved dads, whether it's in, in different forms, in advocacy, in even at the school like that my kid goes to, or used to go to. Uh, <laughs> I don't see a lot of involved dads. Do you see more like involvement with dads? Like more than I did at the beginning? Like, yes. or just, um, maybe a little. I mean, I think, um, I mean, at his school, I definitely see more of the dads than, than I used to. Um, but I think I, I, I've experienced that the, the dads that seem to have a harder time getting on board are the dads of kids with, um, moderate or mild autism. Mild. Like it's the, 
you know, it's the it's the dads who still aren't, you know, convinced that it can't just be, you know, you just got to punish them or you got to do this or, you know, my kid, like I, I used to write, you know, people were, how, how did you accept the diagnosis? Why were you so on board? I had a, you know, a three-year-old who didn't talk and was walking on his toes and, you know, all the typical signs of autism. And I had these people coming into my house, you know, back in the early intervention days, um, telling me he needed X, Y, and Z. Why wouldn't I be on board? You know, why wouldn't I be on, even if they were wrong, like right? some people, I don't want the stigma of a diagnosis. Well, take the diagnosis now, let him, let him give you 40 hours of speech and ABA and, and, you know, and, uh, occupational therapy. And if they're wrong, they'll take the diagnosis away. Cause trust me, they're not going to want to spend the money to, you know, oh. to give your kid services. So That's I was always saying. on no board. No one's ever died from extra services or ABA. Right. You know? Exactly. Like I used to always write blog posts about like people who deny, I don't want services. They, they offered me, they said my kid is low toned and they offered me, you know, physical therapy, but I said, no. I'm like, why would you say no? You're like, yeah, take the, the therapy. Take the therapy. Like take the therapy. If, they, if it comes with a diagnosis, then you know, they'll trust me. The school is not going to want to pay for therapy. They don't need to pay for They will get rid of that diagnosis. Oh, um, I mean, do you know how hard fought it was to get the therapy that they just don't want right now? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, okay, so then let me ask a question um, yeah. because you guys both sound so well adjusted. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> but I'm on Prozac. So I just don't cry anymore. Wellbutrin. That's me. I love Wellbutrin. There you yeah. go. 11 years, 11 years on Wellbutrin. I don't oh know what God. life is like without it. Dude, I weaned, Frank, I weaned myself off. I did it two and a half years during my divorce. I weaned myself off of Wellbutrin. I had been on it for a decade. Uh Um, Don't tell me scary things. What? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't scary. No, it really wasn't. Um, I'd always been, I'd always only taken half the dose that was prescribed to me. And I just felt like I just wanted to experience, like, can I like function in life without it? Um, The answer is no for me. Yeah. And for me, the answer was yes. Um, and I don't, you know, and I, it's, it, there's no way I can create like all these like correlations. Like, is it because I was getting divorced and I was happier? Is it because I was working out more and came in contact with more right. endorphins? Is it because I changed my hair color? I don't know. Um, what made you go on in the first place? Like, can you remember? Cause I've, I've written blog posts about what I felt yes. like before I went on Wellbutrin and what I felt like it helped me with. And yeah, I'm still scared to I, go back to that person. Yeah, no, I, what made me go on in the first place is I adopted two children um, within 15 months. Um, and so I became a mother to two kids in the span of 15 months. Um, and my, the second, my daughter who we adopted as a four-year-old um, has a lot of uh, special needs. Um, both of my kids have a tremendous amount of trauma that they have had to kind of process throughout their lives and are still processing. Her kids are Ethiopian. She got them from Ethiopia. Yeah, my children are Ethiopian. Um, and that was just, it was an overwhelming experience. I was overwhelmed. Um, and I was just like, gosh, why can't I kind of like get out of this like space of just like kind of hopelessness um, and being over, just feeling like I don't, I can't organize my mind to figure out like, how am I going to attack this? Like, you know, I'm the kind of person, I mean, anyone that knows me or hears me speak, they're always like, Sarah, you always have all your shit together. And I'm just like, I really, I don't. And I struggle. Um, I'm just really great because I'm very loud. Um, and <laughs> well, it's a coping mechanism. It's a, it, and I'm it's funny. So people are like, oh, I'm taking this as like, you don't, you don't have any problems. And I was really, I was really, really struggling. And so that's why I went on the Wellbutrin. And, and again, I just, yeah, kind of, kind of had this, you know, epiphany like two and a half years ago again I want to just kind of like test it out and so far um I feel like I've been okay of course now that we're in COVID
And also since Fade and I are in California and we're in the, the fucking rapture, um, <laughs> I am regretting this decision. I'm mm. regretting everything that I've done uh, because all of us have such like, you know, very little uh, positive mental health left um, mm -hmm. as a result of the last six months. Um, but yeah, that was why I was just, and I don't know if you were in the same kind of space and that's why you went on Wellbutrin, but I was just in the space where I just, I was like, I have these two young kids. They both have such unique needs. It's constant. I'm running a business. I've been married, trying to do all these things. And I just like, couldn't feel, get a, find a, like a light at the end of the tunnel and I needed help. Well, right. that, how about that, Frank? Frank, what? what are you doing now with your life? Okay. And is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Mm -hmm. And how long did it, they say you can't go through, get to the other side. You have to go through it. You can't go around it. Right. So I just spilled my coffee. Um, tell like, how, how was that process for you? How long did it take and where are you at now? Um, well, I mean, I think, um, I mean, well, let me, let's think about this. How am I going to put this? <laughs> what, what exactly do you want to know? Ask it more di just directly. Okay. Are you with somebody right now? And how long <laughs> did that take? Okay, that's where you want to go. Okay. That's yes, go. Um, I'm dating right now. Um, I'm dating a woman who's got two uh, typical sons. So that's like a whole mind screw to like be around a seven and a six-year-old who can form sentences and manipulate <laughs> situations. And it's like, you know, mind-blowing. Um, and manipulate you guys. What's that? And manipulate the parents. Right, exactly. That's what I'm. But that's wipe, the most fascinating but wipe part. their own asses, but can wipe their own asses. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think. I think uh, I didn't go through a major, major funk on the other side of the divorce. Um, I kind of, I kind of took it in stride. I kind of like as 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 cold as it might sound, I kind of, you know, turned the page, um, and, uh, and move forward and, you know, wasn't really looking for anything. The funny story is that we actually met at a divorce support group. Um, <laughs> so we were both at a divorce support group and it was like a very structured, um, you know, almost like a 12 step program for, for divorce support. But then during the, during the coffee break in the middle, somebody says to me, you gonna come out to the bar with us afterwards? And I go, oh, what do you mean? He goes, well, this is very structured. But then after this, we all go out to a bar and we all, get you know, we all, <laughs> we all get shit. And then we really tell, you know, the bad stuff about. And that's where I met um, my my girlfriend. And uh, and on the back of the pamphlet, it says like, there's no dating. You're not allowed. Yeah. To basically, we were, <laughs> basically, within like you know three months, we were kicked out of the divorce support group because we had broken the rules about dating. Um, but yeah, so we were both sort of in the same boat um, around the same time and. Uh, yeah, and so far, so good, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the couples that break the rules together stay together. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of what, I mean, and I'm just going to be like, Feta and I are very honest about this. Part of the reason she's asking you this is because that's what you're looking for right now, Feta. Do you know what I mean? Is that light at the end of the tunnel? And, and you know, I'm, again, like, I've been, like, formally divorced for two years. I've been, you know, split up with my ex-husband in January of 20. 18 and whatever like this year just screws with time i'm like some time ago <laughs> right. um and and i agree i think you know i think sometimes that men are socialized to just kind of like i think have the better way of just like hey okay I accept that this is kind of what's happening and i'm ready to kind of turn the page um you know and i think for sometimes for women i i think that we are socialized or to always constantly wonder like what could i have done differently um, could I have made, you know, the, the outcome that I am experienced differently? Like what 
what does this say about me as a person? Like I grew up in a family, like my parents are still married. My grandparents are all married, you know, for like 60 plus years until, you know, they died. My sister's married. And so I'm just like, what is wrong with me? Like, mm-hmm. uh, am I like so emotionally damaged that I'm not allowed to be happy or, you know, have a relationship with, with somebody. Um, and I finally had to like, let a lot of that stuff go and like, just get really cool with who I am. Um, right. and then once I was okay with that and like, I have a great relationship with my ex-husband, like, especially during COVID, like we have been like killing COVID co-parenting and I'm yeah. very, very grateful for that. And that took a long time to like work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm trying to say for you, Theta, is I think that like, you got to give yourself some grace here and you got to like, you know, do the inside work. And if you do that work, it'll, you'll be really surprised what might be around the other side. Um, I'm like about to cry. I know she's about to oh. cry. You guys can't see it. Uh, uh, but I think it's important to to hear. It's hard. It's so scary, Sarah. I know it's so scary, baby. It's so scary. And but I mean, like, I mean, I hate to dive deep, but like, it sounds like that you've got, you know, complete custody or you're, so you oh, yeah. have time oh, yeah. to be Fata's, out there. and Yeah. Fata's ex-husband decided the best thing to do for their divorce is to leave the continent. Yeah. So oh, that's what okay. he did. Yeah. Gotcha. And to, and to just make sure that Muhammad could just stay with her. Yeah. All gotcha. the time. While he lives right. his best life. While he lives his best life <laughs> in another place. Yeah. Right. But it's just, it's like this divorce for me could not have happened at a worse time. You know, the pandemic is hard on everybody. Then you put the mm-hmm. pandemic and autism and then you put divorce on all that. Right. And I just, it's the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. And I've been through some tough shit, but I can tell you without a doubt that this divorce has been much harder than an autism diagnosis for me. Because mm-hmm. when it was my son, I knew what I can do. I just had to step up, help him. I figured out the way around this. I knew how to get him the services, supports, everything. You know, I can detach right. myself and just go to work. And with right. me, a lot of us parents, we always put our kids first. But when it comes to us, we don't take very good care of ourselves. So I, right. I'm trying. Right. I'm doing it. So wish me luck. Hope that hopefully I can be like you and get laid one day soon. <laughs> <laughs> like consistently. Okay, yeah. go on, find a, find a nice support group, and uh, there you go. Right, and break the rules. Find a support group, but then break right. the rules. Oh, exactly. And, and go to the bar. Go to the bar. Right? Exactly. exactly. I don't drink, but I'm going to go to the bar. Yeah. I love, like, it's so funny. I love that, like, men, like, say, um, uh, you know, they're like, oh, I was able to turn the page. I was like, honey, that's just a euphemism for you. You found some some new stuff. Um, oh. You found some new stuff. That... <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, I, I mean, the big difference, unfortunately, I mean, it's true, though. Like, I, it's funny that as I was going through it, do you guys know Matt Asner and, yes. and Nava? Yes. Right. So I was speaking at a conference um, where they were they were there and it was before I had announced to anybody I was going through it. It was really fresh. And, you know, I hadn't told anybody. So I was still doing my presentation about, you know, your marriage can survive and your marriage is great. I was still doing all this BS as it was falling apart. Yeah. And I was having like drinks with them and learn their story about how they call themselves the Brady Bunch of autism families. He's got, you know, a son with yes. autism. She's got kids with autism. They're both divorced. Yeah. They both have like half the week where they have all, I mean, I don't know if it's still like this, but when they were telling me this, they were saying half the week we have, you know, this crazy autism house. And then yep. half the week we're, or, you know, the next week we're completely free single people. And I'm sitting there going, that sounds amazing. Like that just sounds amazing, you know what I mean? So that kind of like helped me sort of think about like, I mean, I, you know, I always wanted 50-50 custody. I was always fighting, you know, not fighting for that. It was, you know, we didn't have to fight for it. It was just, that's just the way it was going to be. But so I always realized that, you know, 
half the week I was going to have my son, you know, whether it's three days straight or three, you know, and the other half of the week I'm, you know, I'm going to be free. And I like putting calendars together and I kind of like just put a calendar together every month and figured out, you know, which days I was going to be free. And then I would find things to do on those days and reconnecting with all, this is before I, you know, before I started dating, you know, reconnecting with old friends and being a third wheel with my, my married couple friends on dates. And like, I, you know, I didn't care. I was just like, I got a free night. I, you know, during the baseball season, I would sit and watch the baseball games. And during the other time of the year, I would sort of find things to do. Um, but just knowing that I had that half a week free, like I was able to sort of flip the switch and, um, you know, and knowing that my, my ex is a good mom, knowing that, you know, that she's taking care of him. Um, I didn't feel like, Oh my God, what's, you know, what's he up to? You know, um, if there was an emergency, she was going to text me, you know, if there was some, you know, still to this day, you know, I, should I give him the emergency meds? He had three seizures in, in an eight hour span. You know, is that like, we still check in with each other about things like that, but just, you know, having that, that half a week free was liberating. I'm not going to lie. It was like, so that's the one, I mean, and unfortunately I don't see that, you know, like you, you have to sort of figure out how to get your free time and how to get your, you know, how to get people to, to watch Muhammad. So oh, you can I'm go soaked in autism. Yeah. I always say people's like, oh, you know, okay. some people say, you don't want to be in a relationship first. You need to know how to get into a relationship with yourself. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to be in a relationship. I right. want to move on. But I'm like so old fashioned, right? I'm like waiting for somebody to court me and that's not happening. No, no, it's not happening. No. And my understanding now is like, girls have to go talk to guys. Mm-hmm. It's not- so you, can the- do it on, you can do it on apps. You can get it. You can download an app and they're not all dirty. Can I tell you something? I what? put together a profile. Yeah. I think the stupidest thing I did is I had a bunch of pictures of me and Muhammad on there. <laughs> <laughs> not even one like. Oh, not even, really? Not, not even one like. My son's like, Mom, no one's going to touch you with that. Oh <laughs> my God. He said, no one's going to ever touch you. You have autism all over your page. <laughs> you know, oh, well. But if there's a nice autism daddy out there, you can write not this us. autism. No, not this. Let's be clear. Right. You are no, there's a more happy relationship, and we are thrilled <laughs> for you, Frank. Yeah, and I'm not you, ready for a you know bicoastal relationship at this point. Just, yeah, <laughs> but but what Beta is doing in the interim is she's become my sister wife with my partner. Sure. Um, oh. Because um, she loves him a lot um, because he's a wonderful guy, um, and also because I don't cook. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gets to be the sister wife that gives all of the, the cooking. Yeah. Um, and he is segregation very, of duties. That's why it's so segregation of duties. That's why it works. And <laughs> this makes him deeply happy. Yeah. Um, but eventually, you know, the, we know understand that this coupling will have to end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm in a relationship with Muhammad. I guess I always call him. He's like my controlling boyfriend. Mm. <laughs> Seriously, he's so controlling. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. okay, Frank, dude. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. I, I know, I mean, you just, I mean, just so people know, you literally just went back to the studio at Sesame this week after being out for five months because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and it, I, it's so great because like New York used to be like the worst place to be in America, like in April, but now California is. Right. So oh, we've tra- traded places. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. traded places. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really excited that you are able to to go back to work. Um, and also just so you guys know, uh, Frank was not totally responsible for, but partially involved for the creation of the Julia character on Sesame Street of Autism, which is so exciting. I remember when that happened, I was like, oh my God, 
If Sesame Street's doing it, then you know the shit is mainstream. But that's so the thing. So that's, you know, we're starting with awareness, right? Yeah, right if you can right. get them really young mm -hmm. and start from Sesame Street, right? right. Then right. go from there. Yeah. Yeah. And what so, I always tell so. people too is that it's sometimes it's like, we're not, you know, they now we normally do maybe one story that features Julia and her autism per season. And then there's a, another episode, a couple episodes where she's just a character in the story. And I feel like that's even stronger. Like yeah, when she's she not just be a focus, regular person, right? When she's when just she's a, regular like stimming, character. a regular character, right. stimming in the background. Yeah, yeah. that's like a, a stronger representation, you know, or well, it has more impact. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's normalizing. just normalizing. Like, yeah, I mean, what is it? The statistic, like in any environment in the United States, ten percent of the people that you're going to see have a disability, whether that might be visible or not visible. Right. So right. yeah, like let's like normalize, like the, yeah. Oh, she's slapping mm. her hands. Who gives a shit? It makes right. her happy. She likes it. Let it go. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Let's deal with a guy taking a shit on the street instead. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to New York. Right. <laughs> Frank, thank you so much thank for letting you, me Frank. shame you. Into coming oh, no worries. It, no, it was really hard. And oh, I know you were ambivalent. You were ambivalent about this. And I really appreciate you. I'm just not, a, I'm not, you know, out in the world as much anymore. I'm like, I feel like I haven't been blogging as much. I don't know if I'm as popular as you guys think I am anymore. I'm sort of like uh, taking a back seat, you know. And uh, so, but yeah, you got me out of retirement. So, okay. Well, you're gonna uh, you're gonna link this podcast to your yes, site. So, yeah, and then we'll make sure also to link the Autism Daddy page um, to our show notes so people can check it out because I know that I did and I was like, like, ah, oh, this is great. So, thank you. And again, I think it's so refreshing to just hear more from a dad's perspective because definitely can you be like a roaming dad reporter? Could we get like hit you up to get a dad perspective occasionally? Ooh. The DP. Sure. What the heck? Yeah. Sure. The DP. Dad the, perspective. The, the dad perspective. <laughs> I love it. We'd like to thank the letter D for sponsoring today's episode because D stands for divorce and dads or daddy or daddy. And that's the, the scoop. scoop. Not about ice cream, but we, I, maybe we, I'd like to have some right. because it's the end of days and who gives a shit what you eat anymore. Right. <laughs>